we have responsibility and accountability to make sure that they're utilized properly so other generations after we're gone can still benefit from those same resources. Utah is rich with resources and natural wonders that inspire, provide recreation, fuel industries, and create economic vitality. Responsibly using and safeguarding our natural resources is critical to ensure the current and future generations of Utahns can continue to enjoy the natural abundance we know and love. As such, the House Majority Caucus has made proper stewardship over our natural resources one of the main policy priorities for the Republican Caucus this general session. Here today to talk with us about our water, energy, and natural resource policies and how the legislature plans to address current challenges throughout the state is the chair of the Natural Resources Committee, Representative Walt Brooks. Representative, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, Representative, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Tell us why is stewardship over our natural resources one of our policy priorities for the caucus and how exactly does the stewardship of our natural resources affect everyday Utahns? You know, Utah is rich with natural resources. I think it's why we see so many people coming to Utah to visit some of the resources we have here, whether it's skiing or, or down in the Red Rocks in southern Utah. To manage those resources is going to take a lot of effort, and it has. And we've done actually a fantastic job over the last decades. I think it's stewardship. I think you use that word. What a great word. It really goes about something we didn't create, but we have responsibility and accountability to make sure that they're utilized properly so other generations after we're gone can still benefit from those same resources. So I think we need to follow suit with what we have done and those processes that are proven to be productive and useful to make sure that everyone has access to it and be able to utilize them but still make sure that we don't abuse those. Now, you mentioned that natural resources is this pretty broad scope, you know, everything from water to extraction. What are some of the policies surrounding this overall stewardship uh, that we can expect to see debated during this upcoming general session? Well, water is going to be a huge one that's going to be debated. And the way I understand it, we have more than a handful of bills that will be addressing. And I'm sure there's going to be some fantastic bills. I'm sure there's going to be some less than fantastic bills, but each one of them need to be vetted properly. And that's what I really appreciate about the Utah legislature. Even though we have people with different backgrounds and different ideologies, we can still bring all of those components together because there may be pieces of each one of them that are just sterling, just they're wonderful. And we can put them into a, a bigger package bill to make sure that all the interests of Utah are being taken care of for, like, say, a water, a mineral extraction, right? We need minerals. We need to have some economic engines, but not at the sacrifice of the, the beauty and the being able to utilize those that what we want. And I think Utah's placed in us in a great position that we have such great open spaces. So all of these have to take into account as we address these type of policies. And one of the areas that falls under the natural resources realm is our overall energy policy as a state. Can you talk a little bit about what exactly are our goals for our energy policy? Where do we currently sit and where do we want to be uh, going forward? Well, we have some great resources, and coal has been deemed as the big demon polluter of the world. And, and you know, if you go back 60s and 70s, it kind of was. You know, the, um, it's a, a cheap but very efficient source of energy, and it was just burned, and it polluted a lot. And the thing that we forget is that innovation is probably our best resource. We have fantastic people in Utah. Our students that are coming out of our education system have great ideas, have been able to develop great opportunities to actually make what was once a demonized product like coal. I mean, I was just recently down into the plant down near Delta, and that is clean. 
Um, it's not what we thought it used to be, but uh, with some of the federal issues being pushed on us, and more than that, we also have customers. California is a big customer of the producers of our energy that they don't want to buy that type. So we we have to pivot. We have to move and change and and utilize what we do have. So what other benefits could this coal or other um, energy sources, let's say natural gas or oil, how can it be utilized, but still balancing that with the benefit of, the, of that resource? Now, Utah is one of the fastest growing and driest states in the country. As our population continues to grow, so will the strains on our water supply. In your opinion, what are some of the best steps we can take now to help protect our future? Utah has always been a state that's always looked forward. They're not reactive. They really are proactive. And I don't use that as a buzzword. I mean, really, sincerely, looking out 20, 30, 50 years of what we need to do. I'm going to use Southern Utah a little bit. You know, Northern Utah, we have our challenges with the Great Salt Lake shrinking and what kind of policy changes we need to adapt and change so we can make sure we keep that resource. But in Southern Utah, we don't have a lot of water. I mean, they have one source down there that's the Virgin River Basin. And I remember when I was a young kid, my dad being a school teacher with eight kids, having to pay a lot of extra taxes to build Quail Creek Reservoir. We needed to, a way to capture and store water. We haven't built a reservoir for quite a long time, especially in southern Utah. As our population grows, we need to invest in some of that infrastructure as well to make sure we're capturing and utilizing it well. One of the things I thought we've done just this last session that we'll be continuing to do hopefully this next year is how do we capture reuse water? So when it goes to the sewer plant and it's going down the river, it's not doing us any good anymore, but we can capture that and utilize it in a secondary water source that could put on our, our lawns or our gardens or acres. And that takes the pressure off that culinary water use. And, and we haven't done that before. We've, we've never done that before in Southern Utah. Now technology is caught up to the way we can actually capture that and utilize every single drop of water that we have down here. Up north, we have our own set of problems and we have a lot of people that have experience with it, legislators that are farmers or ranchers and, and other people who want to see the streams full of water and go into the lake. So all those things come together. And I think we have open hearts really to say, what is the best interest for the state? And it's a big state. So there's going to be competing interests, but they're also regional as well. So we'll look at all those things. Now, you mentioned specifically those regional differences about water. The water system down in southern Utah and then the Washington County area are much different than the water issues up north with the Great Salt Lake Basin. And now, regardless, conservation is important to the entire state. But what that looks like in the different regions is very, very different. You mentioned specifically the water reuse issue down there in St. George is not going to be a policy that we're really going to want to pursue up in northern Utah, correct? Probably not. You know, um, conservation really, I've found it has kind of two different meanings. One means to actually be more efficient. Another part of it means just don't have access to it and lock it up and be kind of almost a control aspect of it. I think that we need to really look at the true conserved waters. Do we really need so much grass? Do we need some of these others? Now, I love grass, especially being St. George. It really cools things down. But is it really necessary to have acres and acres of grass if, if we're just dumping water on and water becomes a, a critical source? Most of our water is used in agriculture. What kind of technology advancements can we look at or innovation to be able to still get the same output with the consume less water? Up here in northern Utah, how can we get that water downstream into the Great Salt Lake or keep these fishing resources that we have and make sure that we're taking care of the wildlife as well? Whenever I hear someone say, well, it's easy, well, that's a red flag that they, they don't know the problem because the less 
you know of the problem, the easier the solution is typically. But we really have to get into all aspects. We don't want un- unintended consequences. That's a, a negative effect for poor stewardship. Now, you mentioned some of the optimization, really, and mm-hmm. helping us conserve a lot of our water. During this last general session, we appropriated a lot of money towards specifically agriculture optimization, which you mentioned. Now, we have found that for every $1 spent on the agriculture optimization efforts in 2022, there was a $4.29 return, resulting in over 174,000 acre feet of water saved. That seems to be one of the most effective things that we can do at the legislature. Do you anticipate the legislature doing more on that front as well? Absolutely. You know, too many people look at government as just a consumption of dollars. But the reality is, if we're doing it right, then we can actually take our resource and generate a multiple out, just like you would mentioned, spoonful now saves a pound later, kind of an idea. Mm-hmm. So as what we can do in these little teeny aspects that can generate more in the end, then that's what's the mark of good stewardship. And I think that we have to look beyond just growth, look beyond economic benefits. We need to look on what is really going to be the best interest of that resource, or we may lose it. Now, Representative, one of the issues that we haven't hit on as of yet is the federal component to managing our natural resources. Like a lot of the other western states, but unlike a lot of the other eastern states, roughly two-thirds of Utah's land is being managed by the federal government. Do you think this current division of land is working for Utah? And if not, what can be done to help remedy this problem? I can clearly say that it has not been a good solution to Utahns or our land. If you look at a lot of forces that are controlled by the federal government or under their stewardship, air quote here, they're tinderboxes. They're going to go up and smoke and it's going to cause a lot of problems, not for just people, but the watershed and, and the viewshed and the wildlife that are there. We can look at different aspects. For example, do you remember when uh, the government shut down? This is in the Obama era. Washington County took over control of Zion National Park and kept it open. So we used our sheriffs and we used people to come through. It was the first time the Zion National Park was actually profitable. And I think people closer to the land are going to manage it better. And I know that we've already set up things in a last session, maybe the session before, about federalism as to how we can combat that. Because right now, they pay us PILT funds, which is payment in lieu of taxes. Remember, those, that property tax goes to schools. And so if we had those payments for lieu of taxes, it would help us be able to fund our schools better. But we're not getting adequate funding for that. So either let us manage it or pay the appropriate amount of PILT fundings so that we can manage ourselves. I, I personally think if we were able to control our lands, we will still keep our open spaces. We'll still keep the resources where people can access it, but we'll also be able to generate the funds necessary off those lands, just like we do with any property, that we can be self-sufficient. Now, being an extreme conservative guy down in Southern Utah, we like that aspect being in control of our own domain. And too often we get programs from the federal government that tie our hands or there's too strong strings attached. And I think getting control of our land is the most significant thing we can do to cut those strings. Now, for those who might not be familiar, what exactly does that mean to be controlled by the federal government? What does, what does federal land specifically mean? When we have an issue, let's say we want to change a policy or change an action that we see that's not going the way we like to, we can do that in the legislature, the voice of the people who are accountable to. We can run through the process, make a policy, change it, and we move forward. On the BLM land and National Forest, you can't do a lot of things there if the federal government all of a sudden says you can't like walking on a trail. They'll shut a trail down. We don't have any control of that. And honestly, 
we can look and see all the negative effects have happened because the beetle killed trees that are throughout our forest, which means we have all these dead trees because it wasn't managed properly because we had a drought. And then if we have a lightning strike, all natural, that burns it all down, well, we're three generations away from being able to have a resource again where we can go through and, and utilize that properly and use experts to go through and say, these are some things we can do to mitigate those damages and be able to have an, a resource that everyone can enjoy. We have limited ability to do some of those things on federal lands such as BLM and national forests. Now, Utah currently has very limited authority over those federal lands. What are some of the policies that the Utah state legislature can try and pursue to try and remedy that, to try and get some more authority over those federal lands? Is that outside of our control or is there some levers that we can pull? No, it's not outside of our control, but it's difficult, right? To be able to push back on the federal government, it is difficult. But we have to do that. Nothing of high quality comes easily. These are aspects that the federal government is passing that's going to have an effect on us. So we can utilize not only the state politicians, but look out to our federal delegation to be able to help fight there our needs here. But there are things that we can do, and we've seen it with Bears National Monument. We've seen it with other aspects. Now, I don't know how many have been down to the San Rafael Swell. It's a beautiful area. But unless you like to hike 87 miles, you're not going to see any of it because of some of the limited access. And the Burr Trail was another one that's been here long before we were really even a state, kind of down that neck of the woods. And we need to make sure we still have some of those historical aspects still preserved as well. So it's going to be a challenge, but we can do it. Now, Representative, is there anything else in the natural resources realm that you believe members of the public need to know as we head into the upcoming general session? Well, you know, they're making a lot of changes on something that I think more people can relate to, and that's our state parks. We have great state parks, and they're making significant changes to make it easier to access, like be able to buy your pass on your phone. Um, it's a little teeny thing, right? But when you go on a trail or when you want to go um, camping, who has seven bucks in their pocket to be able to put in a little envelope and stuff in a little metal container? But um, wouldn't it be great to be able to use your phone and purchase that and have your QR code and be done? We need to look at how we can provide services to the citizens to access these resources as well. How do we balance these efforts to make sure that the resource is usable, but also something that we want to use? Representative, is there anything else that you would like to communicate as we head into this upcoming session? Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to actually serve here. And I know that the people that serve on this committee and every other committee, they're really dedicated. They're taking a lot of time. This is not like something you just do part-time in the evenings. This is an all-day all effort to make sure that the policies that we create are correct, that they do benefit Utahns, and that we can move forward in a, in a positive direction because we have issues coming that we can't control, whether it's you know overpopulation or droughts or whatever else. We need to be able to have the skill sets and the ability to communicate those with people of different opinions to come together and make a, a good policy. Well, we look forward to seeing exactly what those policies look like and how those start to shape together into the House Majority Caucus pillar of stewardship over natural resources. Representative Brooks, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you.